Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us connected and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we've made that connection. Our guest for the last couple shows has been Rick Bernardo, and Rick uh, Rick is an interesting guy that has so many valuable experiences that make it wonderful to have him on my radio show. He is an actor, a comedian, a musician, and for over 13 years, Rick taught organizational leadership, business ethics, and cyber tech ethics at St. Mary's University of Minnesota. And he also does all kinds of wonderful communications work and multimedia educational programs on communications, ethics, and well-being. And in the last two shows, we've explored all the crisis that our world face, um, ranging from our climate uh, being endangered, our COVID coming out of it, how are we coping with that, and coping with a war uh, in Ukraine. And so often when we're faced with so much disaster and crisis, the tendency is to isolate and pull back. And our shows have been encouraging how to reach out and connect and how to make a difference and how do we do that. And ethics, as Rick has brought that to us, is is a model to think about in terms of how do we do that? How do we make decisions? Uh, in one of the shows, we talked about one way of doing that is taking care of ourselves and focusing on well-being and focusing on what are some of those paths to invest in ourselves and take care of ourselves so that we can reach out to others. And we discussed art. And so I've asked Rick in this show to be my co-host. And Rick has uh, some amazing friends. And he has uh, brought uh, Ann Sawyer to our our radio show today, and I'm going to have Rick introduce uh, Anne to us. And thank you, Rick, for joining me as a co-host today. Thanks for having Anne and I both here this morning. Good morning. And uh, yeah, and you know, one of the things that makes life worth living is the people we meet. Uh, It's very, very few things we can do of any significance in life without somebody else. Some other entity, even if it's just nature, it's uh, we work with somebody else. And uh, some years ago, I met Ann Sawyer uh, working at in the Heart of the Beast Theater. Um, and to give an overview of Ann, uh, she's worked as a puppeteer, a stilt walker, an arts educator, and she's done this for the past. 20-odd years with many Twin Cities groups, including Chicks on Sticks in the Heart of the Beast Theater and Art Start. And in addition to scripts for puppetry and theater, Anne has written and illustrated two books for children, Nala and the Pink Tiger, and Nala Goes to Mad Mouse City. And I think, uh, and uh, the Pink Tiger was also a show you were doing in the Heart of the Beast. That's when I first heard or saw Nala. And in 2020, uh, and flirted with the blo- podcast form for a while, creating a women, a woman with a very large knife was the title of the podcast. Um, 
And she's also published a picture book. Actually, I have a, I have a copy of that um, a picture book for adults, teens, and tweens called Mars on Life. And she lives in Minneapolis uh, with a conceptual pack of dogs. So um, that is all just uh, such a tribute to, to not only Anne, uh, but the arts in general and creative expression. And so, uh, Anne, let's go back to, I can't remember when I first saw you, but it was hanging around in the Heart of the Beast Theater, which the building is a, uh, an old, like, archival theater building. And I remember walking in there th- and seeing, like, as I went to my office, like a, a huge pile of anime an- swans for anime na- anim- <laughs> animization. Like, they kind of look like Lego characters that were going to hook together <laughs> and fly off all at once any second. And as I walked by that up to my office, I thought, this is like a Disney World for adults or something. It's just like every every time I walked in, it was something like that. So it start, uh, starts with where, – where, where, where did you and I first talk? Was it there somewhere or um, around I think that? So, yeah, I think we met at Heart of the Beast um, probably when I was in the thick of doing the May Day parade. Probably. Uh, that's right. I was a, um, a staff artist for May Day parade for some years yeah and and a question i have about that i mean the puppets are amazing with heart of the beast i mean people think of puppets as being something that you have on your hand a little hand puppet these puppets are like 8 to 12 to 15 feet yeah and 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 have a gargantuan (laughs) (laughs) presence that um it is magical. So how did you first get into puppetry? Oh, well, my short answer to that question is always I fell in with a bad crowd. Ah. <laughs> 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 but uh, the, the longer answer is, um, gosh, from the time I was a little kid, I was always – my favorite thing to do was to play with the junk drawer. Um, people would give me these beautiful things like dolls. Uh, And I would look at them and say, that's beautiful. That's nice. And I'd put them on a shelf. And then I'd gravitate back to the junk drawer and take things out of the (laughs) drawer and and set up little cities and tell myself little stories um, to the point where I got teased quite a bit by my older brother for it. Um, Although uh, he was also gifted with a a very – he had a big imagination and did a lot of storytelling with us. Um, But then when I was in high school, my friend Anya – took me to a, a May Day parade, and I had uh-huh. never heard of Heart of the Beast, but mm-hmm. and it was pouring rain, but this magical thing was coming down the street on these giant puppets, mm-hmm. and I fell in love. And I remember thinking, I want to do that. Um, and I, I, it was a long journey for me to get to that point. Mm-hmm. I did theater, um, and I went and studied languages in other countries and, you know, um, uh, did a whole bunch of other things, but I ended up back in Minneapolis uh, at a certain point, and um, I was on KFAI radio, actually, um, talking about a grant that I'd gotten from the Center for Arts Criticism uh, about um, studying, comparing and contrasting Latino theater um, and what it was doing in Minnesota and what somebody, some people out in L.A. were doing. And a friend, <clears throat> now a friend, Sherry Aronson, um, called in and said, you know, I'm studying an aspect of Latino theater. Let's talk. And we met for coffee. And I said, you know, 
writing about the arts is fine, but I really miss doing the arts because mm-hmm. that's, you know, I, I really miss that connection. And I want to do something that's hands-on um, and connecting with people. And I, I thought about Heart of the Beast, but I, you know, I don't know. Um, and she said, well, I know a couple of guys who are putting together a dinner puppet theater extravaganza and interactive. And I said, well, that sounds deeply weird. <laughs> and I'm in. How do I, how do I get into there? And so, so I went to an audition and there was, uh, they said, well, our leading lady for this show called Madame Frou-Frou's Cafe of Love uh, is missing Madame Frou-Frou. The leading lady went off actually to live in Paris. So they said, Which is what a Madame Frou-Frou would do. <laughs> exactly. That's always happening. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they said, they, I said, I don't know anything about how to operate puppets. They said, no worries, we'll train you. And, um, and this, by the way, this company was called Galumph Theater, uh-huh. Galumph, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, the word Galumph comes from a Lewis Carroll poem, yeah, yeah, the, the Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky. Yeah. Right, right. Galumphing. Uh, Galumphing. Uh, yes, he came galumping yeah. back. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, so they they just hand, they showed me the puppet and they described who what she was like you know this bon vivant who loved conversation uh-huh. and they said give us a voice and the image that came to my head was Margaret Dumont from the Marx Brothers films ah, sure. you know Groucho's straight <laughs> man yeah, her, yeah, the foil yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and so I just uh, said hello <laughs> welcome to Madame Frou-Frou's Cafe of Love and they just stared at me and they said that's the exact same voice that the other lady did and that's so you were channeling I was you channeling were. I was pulling the archetype from thin air yeah. and saying, you and know. And they knew. They knew they that knew. you were the one. <laughs> and that, that is what happened. I mean, from uh-huh. that point on, I was involved in Galumph and people in Galumph, you know, the puppetry circles all kind of overlap and connect with each other. And I got involved with Heart of the Beast and became a Mayday staff artist. Um, and uh, then I learned to stilt from my friend Amy Balstead, who was also at Heart of the Beast. And she's, she started a group called Chicks on Sticks, which is an all-female stilt walking group. So... Well, I love the fact that this all really dates back to a junk drawer. It really does. It does. It, I was a storyteller and a, a person who liked to man- manipulate objects and make things. And and see the yeah. possibility. I mean, it, to me, un- I understand liking a doll but not necessarily, you know, having that bond with it because it's done. The doll yeah. has all been created, but the junk drawer has all the possibility of right. what it could be. Right. And and uh, I love artists that take something and can see something beyond its its function and and create mm. uh, beautiful uh, mm. pieces. And I gotta I gotta say one of the things that deeply moved me about working with Anne in the Heart of the Beast is I what unfolded for me was the depth of history. For humans, in in the sense of like when you think of puppets, you, you know, at that time I was thinking sock puppets and puppets, and mm-hmm. and I loved them, yeah. But I didn't realize it, it goes back to the beginnings of human history. This to how, how to inf- uh, pull this archetypal energy mm-hmm. out of our world and and become it for a while. You know, be, be, the tribes would be the bison or be the deer or and take on these roles and that's that's all a form of what we now call puppetry but I didn't realize it's an ancient principle of well, what it, we it, do even the punch and Judy you know creating the political uh, landscape of uh, commenting oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and creating opinion and sharing that through art and metaphor uh, punchinello 
mm-hmm. not only had the <laughs> the, the commedia dell'arte. Um, but would pull out not only stock characters, but those stock characters would be, sometimes, if you didn't have enough people, you had to have puppets <laughs> right, <laughs> to right. fill in the blank, if nothing else. So there's that ritualistic purpose um, mm-hmm. that Rick was talking about. And then what you're talking about, um, puppetry serving a, a purpose of being a relief valve in times of great turmoil. Pu- mm-hmm. you know, Punch and Judy shows were often, I mean, they were always popular and still mm-hmm. remain popular mm-hmm. in certain Mm-hmm. countries, you know, mm-hmm. UK. Right. Um, but, you know, in um, Puccinella in, in Italy and the French version is Guignol. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, during times where there's great upheaval, those puppeteers often were the first people to get chased off because they're sure. the ones doing the political commentary mm-hmm. that speaks directly to the common person. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we have digital versions of that. Um, but But back then, that was one of the safety valves. On society, you know, we could they could laugh, mm-hmm. and the policemen would get beat up uh, by, and the crocodile would go in the sausage machine, and you know they were and all. And the clever servant was always able to figure out the way to mm-hmm. uh, to make it all work. <laughs> right, right. You know, and that's that's another element of comedy where the people who are on the the bottom mm-hmm. are the smart ones who know what's mm-hmm. going on. The servants, the women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and that allowed the servants and the women to laugh and have a safe space to to let some of that rage out and perhaps even give them power the sense that how they navigate may be making a difference in the long run mm-hmm. and that they do have power they are not powerless mm-hmm. uh, and so all of that um, I think is good ways of thinking about our own sense of power mm-hmm. and how humor and uh, how Rick has shared with us also in the past, how comedy can allow us to open up and see new ways of thinking um, and being and how art also uh, can envision uh, possibilities. All all these forms of expression, they help us deeply connect. That's what's so great about them, all kinds of connections. And with that, we're going to need to take a break because, of course, I've run over. I always run over. Uh, but we're going to learn um, from Anne about a, a very particular play that that she created that helped her in her journey and others around her as well um, to look at a, a difficult time and make meaning out of it just as we are right now in difficult times. How can, how can we learn perhaps from Anne about her journey with art that will help us maybe open up to our own art within us. So stay with us. We'll be back in in just a, a few minutes and learn more about children and optical illusions. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and I'm joined by Rick Bernardo as my co-host today. He's been in the last couple shows, so if you haven't had a chance to listen, um, go to my podcast, which is on am950radio.com, and you can just scroll down and you can see Connections uh, little tile. Click on that, and you'll you'll find our last few shows uh, that Rick has been part of. Rick is a, a actor, comedian, musician, uh, a intellect... Uh, teaches ethics, has taught in the past at St. Mary's University, uh, teaching business ethics and cyber ethics and all those good things, as well as he's been very involved with nonprofits and 
uh, multimedia education, just a great guy with lots of interesting background and has a passion for ethics and arts. Thanks. And that's the important thing. Uh, a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and modest. <laughs> so, uh, so, and you embrace that greatness about you. I, I, I have on my resume. I was actually voted most modest in my high school class, senior class, and I always was tempted to get up and say, "No way, best looking, most successful." Come on, and then, they, then they took it away. That's your chance. Yeah. So, um, and we're here with Ann Sawyer this morning, uh, whom I, I'm whom I met at in the Heart of the Beast Theater some years ago, and uh, she is a, an author, a stilt walker, an arts educator, a puppeteer, and a, a creative voice that manifests uh, the best of art in a lot of different ways. And we were talking a little bit about her, how she got into puppetry before, mm -hmm. and uh, then we were talking about how, how different arts help us deeply connect with one another uh, about issues far and wide. And uh, I think you wanted to, you know, both of us want to hear a little more about some examples of how that might work. Go, go ahead, yeah. Laurie. Especially the children and optical illusions. Um, I'm deeply interested in, in how that got created and your journey with that piece. Sure. Um, so the play Children and Other Optical Illusions was something that I wrote um, in response to my journey towards trying to be a parent, trying to be a mother. Um, this is some years ago. Um, I, I was having repeated miscarriages, and it was a subject that I felt very, um, it was very difficult to address. So much of what I did was art for that people perceive as being for children. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt, you know, um, very isolated in the pain uh, of, of experiencing that. And and really um, decided that I was going to take on trying to address that in a play format. And because I am a puppeteer, I did have some puppets and multimedia in it, but I also had live performance performers. Um, and so, and a, you know, a soundscape created by some really wonderful local musicians. Um, and, and so, our, our culture yeah. isn't one that knows how to deal with miscarriage. Right, and we don't have any rituals there, around there's it. There's no ritual, no. and there's, I think, one extreme to the other where um, it's, well, get over it sort of thing, you know, and, and right. which is deeply painful right. to have anyone, you know, ex diminish the grieving and the pain. Yeah. And on the other hand, just not really understanding um, and loss for words so they don't say anything at all. Right, and um, grief... Uh, whether it's losing someone that you knew and loved mm -hmm. or whether it's a more amorphous kind of thing where, you know, you, you lose a child that was that actually never um, came, you never got to know that child. It's mm -hmm. still, there's this amorphous um, piece of, um, you know, what what was that? You know, that and I, you, you were know, connected. Yeah. You were connected to You're that. You connected, yeah. yeah. And you lo lose that connection. Yeah. And and also I think that um, there was this sense, I think um, Western culture, um, we have this idea that we can control everything mm -hmm. through science. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Um, there's, there's a lot that they really don't understand about um, how 
how the miracle of birth happens right. and why sometimes it doesn't take and, and nobody could give us any answers. And I just really needed to grapple with that unknown. So I used the metaphor of physics and optical illusions um, to talk about that experience. And um, really what was healing for me about it was uh, getting to work with the cast um, and, and hear their thoughts and perspectives um, but also um, to share it with the audience and then have people come to me and say, I've been through this. I, I didn't know how to talk about it. Thank you for creating that space. Um, so, and, and even and now, that, years later, I, I have people come to me about that. Yeah. And that in itself, because I think it is isolating. Yeah, it's really not, isolating. To not have a culture that, that can or a ritual that allows you to process it. Yeah. You know, to be able to have an art that allows you to process it, uh, whether you've created it or you participate in it, um, gives a freedom, a, a freedom that of things of whatever was blocked inside allows it to have have its own dimension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it goes back to what we were talking about, about puppetry and how it's connected to ritual. Mm -hmm. And since our culture doesn't have ritual around miscarriage, mm -hmm. you know, this was my way, I guess, of intuitively trying to create something around that and mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that I was healed like I'm no. I'm it's not something that I ever am done with mm -hmm. but it took me out of that space of loneliness being able to out it mm -hmm. and and then it gave permission for other people to talk about it and, and I'm not sure this is my own just <laughs> opinion I don't think we ever heal from anything that's traumatic no it, it's just there but I think it does allow us to connect with others who've had that same trauma in a way um, that allows us to feel good. <laughs> right. <laughs> that allows us to say, okay, I, I can empathize and I, I do understand the pain. And that in itself is a connection that allows a, a type of healing, uh, not a forgetting, uh, not a diminishing of the pain, but the pain, perhaps we grow larger and the pain stays the same, but we grow larger and just are able to hold that pain differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and art can do that for us. One, th one thing that seems universal is there's an energy to everything. And um, I mean, one could consider that. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> when we have a loss and when a woman has a loss like that, the question always would seem to be, what, what does one do with that? Mm -hmm. And um, whether it's arts or ritual, which are very often the very same thing, um, those are languages that go deeper than words. And the words we have aren't even adequate for this, for this sort of a loss. So it, it, we just really need to connect around channels for that energy to flow or to do something with it. It's not going to go away, but it has to move. So that energy is stuck inside you, then, it, you know, it just goes, um, it comes out sideways. It comes out in ways that are not productive or good for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, people grow cancers, I think, mm -hmm. from, from keeping stuck energy. I, I'm not saying that that's blaming cancer victims. That's no. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying yeah, that yeah, I, I think you. that your body um, holds trauma uh, and stress and, 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 the, and the stress impacts, and it will, yeah. it will do things. And, and so things, one way yeah. you can, and sometimes it will still do things no matter what you do. But mm -hmm. I think that art can at least um, uh, allow you a, a way, a means of releasing some of that energy and, and turning it into something, spinning straw into gold 
maybe. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So tell me about some of the dimensional puppetry. How, how did you work that in in ways that it, in, this, in this play? Um, how did you represent what were, what were some of the ideas you went with? There are uh, a couple of wild and crazy things that we did. We, we had um, So one thing that I did is I had two couples, and one was a little puppet couple, and one was a, a live, two flesh and blood people. Uh-huh. And so uh, the puppet couple, um, they were, I mean, I think that in a way people were able to connect with them because they were, they were kind of small. They were tabletop puppets. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a, you know, it, there's sort of dark humor. There's this one of the, the female puppet had a little balloon in her stomach and it would bl- inflate uh-huh. and then it would deflate and it would inflate and deflate. And it's, it's sort of a terrible edge that I was playing uh-huh. with of like this, this humor, this like visual humor, but at the same time, it's just really, really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, you can do things with puppets that you can't do with people. Right. Um, and, um, and so I was pushing that envelope. Um, another thing was uh, I had uh, a giant head on a spinning wheel of fortune, and inside the head there was um, there were various items that were sort of symbolic. And this person was there was a live feed camera over the head, and this person was the surgeon was plucking things out of the uh, the head that and they were like a strand of DNA mm-hmm. um, and and stuff like that. Um, and All possibilities, but nothing. Possibilities, yeah. nothing, nothing. For sure. And, and so nothing that, was certain, and we, yeah. we didn't know what some of these things meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just playing with the multimedia and puppetry aspect provided interesting visuals, for one thing, but also allows you to come at some very mystifying things mm-hmm. in a way that's, again, it's more intuitive than it is scientific. And it sort of questions into our need for certainty. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we've also talked about is... How much certainty are there in decisions that we need to make? Um, it it allows there to be more room. Yeah. And with that, of course, again, <laughs> I have gone over, and we are actually supposed to be in segment three at this point. But that's all right. We're out of room, but we'll make room um, because we're going to come back and we're going to hear about some art stuff that's coming up for you and how exciting that is. So stay with us. We will be back and we'll learn about um, arts in the schools and some creative things that are getting done there. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And my co-host today is Rick Bernardo, who is a business ethicist. He has taught for 13 years at the um, St. Mary's University of Minnesota. He did that. um, And that was me. Yeah, it was you. And enjoyed doing that. He's also an actor, a comedian, a musician, and I'll say it again, an all-around great guy. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And I have invited Rick to be my co-host today, and he has graciously uh, been encouraging folks to join us, and he has uh, invited Ann Sawyer, and Ann has been sharing her journey with art. And we were just talking at break, uh, at looking at art and healing. Share your thoughts with us, Rick, on that. Oh, art and healing. Well, it it is such a... um one thing in common with the field of ethics and any sort of art and any sort of human being, I would I would suggest, is that that there is always a desire for humans to be whole uh, and or to feel whole. Sometimes we are, and a lot of 
spiritual traditions and wisdom say you're, you're whole no matter what, but we don't feel that way. Uh, and uh, individually or collectively sometimes there's something missing that would make a difference and we don't feel complete the the root word for healing is the same as for wholeness uh, which is the same root word for holiness mm -hmm. it has to do with an, uh, integrity uh, in the sense of being complete so our arts are such an amazing gift of connection in in those veins and hope um, I mean, it gives us a um, maybe the process doesn't feel hopeful. It feels perhaps painful, but ultimately the process of art creates a sense of hope. There's the, the words vision and voice come up in mm -hmm. arts. Um, if you have a vision and you have a voice for something, you can go somewhere with that, or you can have a sense of direction. And and it's, if not immediate wholeness, there's a there's a possibility for it, and that's what it's all about. If you have a sense of possibility, uh, the word hope. In a lot of coaching traditions, is used as a wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. In these other traditions of arts and a lot of faith communities, hope is actually more like commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're going to see this through. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a it's a different use of the word. So um, I was reflecting on what Anne was saying before. Uh, and there's personal tragedies. There's collective tragedies. We've got the war in Ukraine. The, the things like that are going on all the time around the world. In this country alone, we're close to a million people uh, dead from the pandemic. And you don't hear about it a whole lot. Those people are still – there's still millions of people suffering around that loss, mm -hmm. which uh, two years ago we had a president saying there's five people. It will be over in two weeks. That – I have nowhere to go with that energy, my disgust for that sort of ignorance and actually I would, I would suggest willfulness around death in certain parts of the country. So there's something and, we're and living the children, with. And children impacted not having the traditional schools. Oh. Right. Not being isolated in their home, parents trying to figure out how to do education or not. Uh, and and children coping with that. I mean, I, I think of the children coping with COVID, but I also think of the children in um, the Ukraine, the refugees that artists are working with them to create art for them to make sense. Some of it breaks my heart. Some of the art that yeah. I see. So, so there's examples. So we want to hear more from Anne about like how, uh, with some examples in your work, can art. He heal around that and, and bring that, that sense of hope with a capital H. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hope with a capital H. Well, I, I like what you said about um, hope um, in some traditions being about commitment, a commitment to continuing. In my mind, what, what came um, to the forefront was just continuing to show up even when things are really hard. Um, so continuing to make art – uh, with whoever needs to make art, uh, that's part of what I do is is um, facilitating other people's creativity, and um, I see it every every day um, in my work how a light can go on in someone uh, when I teach them stilting, for example, and suddenly they have this superpower that they didn't know they could do. That they have this thing that they can do that they thought was impossible, or um, uh, when I, I was teaching sewing, creative uh, embroidery techniques uh, at a women's halfway house, uh, and this 
this lady who had seemed kind of shut down at first after the third session. She mastered the French knot, and she said, I can't believe I'm doing this. Uh And and that was my reward for the day. Um, So I I think just uh, there's so much, you know, one of the things that I'm doing now is I've I've just written a a grant uh, and gotten it for the Arts Impact uh, from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council to go and work in the schools to deal with uh, mental health issues uh, and its creative writing program that I'm piloting, and we'll be at the Mississippi Creative Arts School and at Bancroft, which is in my neighborhood, um, and we'll be playing with some of that, uh, does, uh, is it the image that come first, comes first, or the, the word, and so we're going to be going back and forth between words and images to access some of the stuff that kids are thinking about, um, what makes them hopeful, what, what um, how they connect um, uh, what I don't know what what what, uh, what's stopping them what, what's stopping what, them what? what's what yeah yeah mm-hmm. just sort of trying to tap into some of those deeper issues but in a way that's playful mm-hmm. and and fun uh, yeah I mean the kids have had a really hard time of it yeah. they haven't gotten a lot of um, art during this time I think and I think kids learn best through story and through play. Mm-hmm. And if yep. if kids are allowed to play and and um, explore their feelings, mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, I love it's creative so drama. Healthy. Well, it's, it's so healthy. So uh, mm-hmm. healthy. We know that we all learn best through story. You know, it's right. sort of a, a revelation to some. Mm-hmm. Others of us in the arts have known. <laughs> yeah, 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 duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's how we do move people. But understanding our own story, I think, is an important mm-hmm. uh, goal. Mm-hmm. Who really are we? And as you, you know, tease that out with helping them create their story, uh, I think is important. Oh yes. I know. Rick Rick is being so good. He is reminding me that maybe this time I don't want to run over <laughs> with time. <laughs> I, I, I raised one finger and, and it sounded it looked like a student at school. And it I was did. just like, no, I just went one minute. Yes. So <laughs> we do. And I will, I will honor it this time so that we have a full uh, fourth segment. Uh, but I, I do think it's important that as we look not only to children – when did we lose that ability to play within our own self as adults? And, you know, when did we stop telling our own story or figuring out our own story? I think when people told uh, adults at some point when they were children, they, they were told, you're not doing that right. You're not uh-huh. doing that well, so stop. Mm-hmm. And Kurt Vonnegut says, you know, make a piece of art every day, even if it's bad. It doesn't matter. The The point is that you made it. Uh, draw a doodle, uh, make a dance, uh, sing in the shower. Which is a perfect way to end this segment. And in our next segment, we'll learn about a vision that you have for pollinators. Mm. Uh, And we'll learn um, what future things that you might be into as well. So I didn't go over too badly this time. (laughs) So stay with us. We'll be right back and we'll learn more from Ann Sawyer about her vision for pollinators. Stay with us. Welcome back 
to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And the show has gone so quickly, mostly because I've got wonderful people joining me today. I have Rick Bernardo, who is my co-host, and he is an ethicist, a music, a musician, a artist, a comedian, um, and an interesting man who sees the connections and encourages us to make a difference. Oh, thanks. And, and we have Ann Sawyer, who's an author, puppeteer, stilt walker, arts educator. And uh, we met years ago through some of her artwork. And uh, Laurie, so we were going to follow up on pollinators, uh, uh, pollinators, which uh, all of a sudden I'm thinking of honey and bees, but it's something like that. Uh, go ahead. So, Anne, you're working on some projects that have to do with what we were just talking about, which is hope with a capital H, which is more like commitment to uh, a future, some kind of possibility. And with that, uh, there's images around seeds and <laughs> planting seeds and so forth. So tell, tell us a little more about what you're working on now. Yeah, well, um, so, you know, I've done, I've, I've written and illustrated three picture books. Um, and uh, as I was one day sitting around thinking about uh, thinking about hope and thinking about actually pollinators because uh, every year I work with a, a group called Art Start and we do um, residencies in the schools around pollinators, butterflies, bees, hummingbirds, and so forth. And I think that probably those things collided in my head. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to make a, a picture book about pollinators where kids learn a little bit about the science of pollination? But also, I was thinking about the metaphor of people as pollinators. Um, and then I thought, well, how are the, what are the different ways that human beings uh, pollinate ideas? You know, elders as pollinators of wisdom, scientists as pollinators of discovery, artists as pollinators of beauty and creativity. Um, and um, so really I want to create a picture book um, around that, you know, not just the science but the social science and with a message of hope. And so that's my, my current uh, project that I'm hoping to make a reality. Uh, I haven't found the funding for it yet, so if anybody has an idea <laughs> where <laughs> somebody who wants to help me make that picture book happen, that would be great. Um, we want to uh, use it as a way to kick off our pollinator residencies every year at Art Start when we work in the schools, and we work in lots of different schools. So, well, I love the idea of the image that came to me when you were talking about pollinators and scientists, I see scientists sort of landing on a huge flower. <laughs> There's this like huge flower of our white humanity. Well, you know, and, and what you know, and bringing life to an idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's interesting. It's it's kind of like on their shoes, right? You know, the, the bee doesn't know that it's carrying pollen, right? It, it, right. But it does know in some way. There's an instinct to share. There's an instinct to, you know, mm. figure out. And and it, it could be a nice restaurant uh, as a flower. I mean, taking in that nectar and enjoying life. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, I think sometimes <laughs> science gets so serious uh -huh. and we think that they're all in white lab coats and doing uh -huh. serious things. There is a playful aspect to science that's mm -hmm. in not knowing mm -hmm. yeah. and asking the question yeah. and wondering and, yeah. and, and can that happen through sharing and politics? with each other, that right. this idea isn't complete until this idea comes, and it may be in a playful or a, an original or a, a soulful or a hopeful community 
that ideas get shared. Right, right. Yeah. I, I remember Einstein, one of the things he said is more important than logic and math uh, in physics is imagination. Right. Oh, I was just like, whoa, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see that because it, he also believed that math was essentially the blueprint of the universe. So he knew that it was important. Um, it was through math that physics could even be and that, that he could see the um, – that there was some way of if we could discover the math, it would be revealed. But the only way to discover the math is through our imagination and allowing us to not get so stuck in one way of thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you have to be able to imagine a better future mm -hmm. for people. I think the only reason that we've had uh, women get the vote, uh, that the civil rights movements have mm -hmm. gone forward. And it's always, you know, Two steps forward, one and a half steps back, right? We're, we're still fighting on all fronts. Well, if Martin Luther areas, King but... looked around and saw what he saw, um, he would not have been able to say much about civil rights. But it was because he had a dream. And yeah, it, he, he had a vision. A he could future. imagine right. a world yeah. that people were being judged by the char their character and not by the color of their skin. And, that, was a, that was a vision. And he could commit. He could use hope with the capital H to commit towards working for that future. And yeah. I think artists um, allow us to know how to dream. And we may look at a painting and it resonates with us because it's a shared dream. It may be a shared nightmare that mm -hmm. is looked at. Mm -hmm. But there is a resonance to seeing it and and having it be expressed that allows us to feel, as you were saying, more whole and not um, right. And, and we can do that with one another. So there, we're in a world where there could be a wildfire of connections, deep connections available like this. Uh, and so, um, like, it, can you say something more about like what sparks you to? to want to do something or to not do something. You probably have all kinds of ideas, but what really, what's the thing that really says I have to share this? Uh, well, I mean, often it's when an idea comes to me fully formed. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. uh, sometimes, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it's just an image. Uh, and I'll start with an image and start developing it. And there are, for every thing that I make that is that gets completed, there are, of course, four or five things that don't because things, uh, you know, sometimes just don't well, uh, not, fully fledge. You know, not they don't all come pollen out. will right. create the seed right. for that flower. You know, right. and and so the fully formed imagination is wonderful. But I love being able. And I know we have less than a minute to encourage our audience to be thinking about what does inspire them. And mm -hmm. and everyone can be an artist. And if folks wanted to get a hold of you for whatever reason in your arts and teaching and whatnot, if you want to share a little bit about um, how to get connected to what you do, please share. Sure. Yeah, I have a website, uh, ansawyerart.com. Uh, and it's just Ann with an E, A-N-N-E, Sawyerart, all one word, dot com. You can email me through that and I can... You know, talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. And then, as, as Anne said, that is part of her journey is helping us find our art. So, thank you for doing that with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And have a great week. Mm -hmm.